Uh, so, been a big week, couple weeks, uh, busy. This church has been busy, and I'll thank you again for that. Christmas house uh, was great, the big night was great, uh, and so I thank you for that. Uh, if y'all don't know this, I don't know the number, Morgan can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know this church took care of over 250 kids. Um, y'all, we can do the math, there ain't 250 kids here. I mean, there ain't 250 people here. So that means a lot of people did a lot of things and went over and over. you got kids yourself, you sacrificed for their gifts for other people, and I appreciate that. Um, I would dare say it's the most kids we've ever taken care of. Um, and so I pray that number keeps growing, uh, but that's no joke, man. 250 people for a church that don't have 250 people in it. Uh, there's a lot to be said there. And then again, you can tell Heath the next time you see him. He did graduate from seminary yesterday. Uh, we're proud of him. I gave him the day off. Um, that was my gift to him. And uh, by, by gift, I mean, he said, you're going to preach tomorrow. I'm probably going to be in New Orleans. And I said, whatever. So I took it. And he said, we're going to preach, y'all, since he's not here, I'm going to say this a little bit more honest, maybe, but um, more frank, maybe not more honest. He told me like a month ago, maybe two, he was like, dude, I'm going to need you to preach. I'm gone. I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. He said, I think I'm going to preach on Christmas carols. He just left me with it. That was it. And um, so I texted him back. I was like, man, I got you. I'll take Christmas shoes. The Christmas carol, that's not, Okay. Y'all, I thought he was joking, so I'm telling you. I, I never thought we would be sing, uh, pre- preaching on Christmas carols, but I see the point. Um, and so I picked one. He sent me a list of four. I grabbed one. It said the humility of Christ. It had the name of the Christmas carol. I can't even remember. And it said the humility of Christ. And I stayed on there for like three or four days, and I went back in my office, and I looked, and then I looked at it again, and looked at it again. And now the list said humanity of Christ. So I studied the wrong thing for three days because I read it wrong. So this sermon really started out well, um, but here we are. Uh, I finally just walked in his office, fed up. I said, give me a Christmas carol. He said, oh, little town of Bethlehem, here we go. Uh, so that's what we have. And I read the lyrics over and over and over again. Um, and these, there's some lines there that stuck with me. Again, we're not walking through the whole carol, uh, but just what we can learn uh, biblically, what we can look at, and maybe just some ways that we take it. Um, I even reached out and asked some folks through text message. I got some really good things back. I really appreciate that. So here we go. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Um, Here we go. These are the lines that got me. It says, oh, holy child of Bethlehem. It's like the very last verse or chorus or stanza or whatever that last paragraph is. It says, oh, holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us today, we pray. It says, cast out our sin and enter in. Oh, come to us today, abide with us today. And then it says, our Lord Emmanuel, which Emmanuel is God with us. So I got hung up on all the us's as I'm studying. Because I'm like, I mean, this is a lot of, a lot of come to us, a lot of us, a lot of, a lot of things. And then so I start getting text messages back of people that I ask. And I'm getting the same thing over and over again. We need help is what this is saying. Like we're begging for help. Like, we need a Savior, and we need Him now. And I agreed. I had wrote a few notes down, and that's all I had come up with. Right? That's it. But but I wrote down, Almighty God, please help us. I'm praying for you to help. Like, I'm singing that in that song. It's like a plea for help. And I don't know where you are in your family situation, but I'm going to tell you, if I need help, I'm going to my dad. Like, in a minute. And I'm not going to get off on my dad talking about him because he can be a little goofy. 
Uh, if you know him, that was my sister and my, my wife laughing because they know him. But I, I'm telling y'all, if I need help, he'll do everything he can do to help me because he's my father. And so that's what I want to look at as we go through um, of how to how to get some help. Uh, when I started reading some verses, you can turn your Bible or your phone or whatever to Matthew 6. Uh, that's where we're going to start. And when I read this, you're going to like, this has nothing to do with it. Uh, but we're going to start there and I'll read a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start in chapter 6, verse 5, and I'll quit somewhere around 9. But let's just start with, before we even look at a verse or the Bible or whatever, just ask the question, why are you here? And I'm not, I hopefully say worship or to learn or to grow closer, to find a home church, whatever, all those things are good. But for honest, in a group this size, at this time of year, we have mixed emotions of why we're in this place. And it may just be so we can feel like we're more because we feel inadequate outside of here. Or maybe I just want to improve me. Or I want to be worth noticing. Or maybe it's somebody, I want to be worth loving. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to not be worthless in people's eyes, so I'm trying to get better. Right? Maybe that's where you land. I don't know. But I know in a room this size, there's a lot of different reasons that we would come here today. And so here's the thing. I think if I can clear up the why you should come here today. I think if we can clear up the why, and I'm just going to say not just at church this morning, I'm going to clear up the why you exist, period. And if we can grab that, I think that helps our perspective. Because what I'll say is, I heard a pastor say it last week, a perspective will determine your practice. Perspective will determine your practice. How you think of things will determine how you react to them, how you see them. So in the next couple of minutes, I want to cover why you exist. That shouldn't take long. And then I want to cover your perspective. Um, give me about 20, 21 minutes and we're in. Because I think to, to get the right perspective and why we're here, it'll influence a million decisions you make. It'll, 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 it'll make you, it, it, it's, it reacts or it affects how you see God. It'll affect how you see us. Like the people in this room, like it'll affect everything about you. So if I, if I can get in your thoughts for just a minute, that's what I want to look at. Because if we can spin your perspective, um, I think it is. Because if we just answer the question, why are you here? Like if you just look in the Bible really briefly, it tells you you're here to commune with God, period. You're here to, to commune. Like that word wraps a lot of things, but I can make it simple. It means to converse with God, to talk to him. The Bible says in Colossians 1.16, you don't have to look, that all things are made by him and for him. You are made for God. Like, and Jesus says now that this is eternal life, that you may know him, that there's one true God, that you're made to know him. Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said it was, Jesus was asked, and his answer was, is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So the why is we're made for God. You're made to know him. You're made to love him. You're made to commune with him. So here's the shocker sentence of the morning. If you love somebody, get ready for it. If you're going to commune with them, you have to communicate with them. To love someone, i got to communicate with them. Love requires communication. It does. Right? It's how I interact with I can't have a relationship with somebody if I don't ever talk to them or interact with them at all, right? I've been in the youth ministry for about 15 years, so that puts some time on me. And so the kids that I had are now starting to get married, ooh. And so 
What I'm trying to figure out is how to talk them out of it. So when they come to me, I don't. But, but they all ask the same thing. Hey, Kenny, give me a book or something to read. Give me a website. Like, I want to I wanna be able to, I'm really trying to communicate with that person better. Like, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me what's the answer, quick answer, because I want to communicate with them better. Because what I'm learning is the more we're together, the crazier they are. And so, but, but, but the, same, it's the answer is the same all the time. It's communicate. You can tell them, I can, I can tell them every time that, that men can't read minds. Ladies, they can't. They try, but they can't. They, you have to use words. And guys, it's the same for you. Like we, ladies, they can't read our minds, fellas. We have to tell them. And you need to tell them with words and cards and flowers. Right, because... Right. But you have to communicate, right? Love requires communication. We're made to love God, to know him, to communicate with him. That's why you're here, like it or not. Like you're made, like right here in this moment, we're made to have a relationship with God. So I'll ask you, while I drink some water, how's that going? How's that going in the middle of all this craziness we call Christmas time? Right, and all the hustle and bustle and all the buying and the worrying and the more buying... And the more buying, like, how's that going? Because I'll say this, what if I could interview God and ask him the other way? Like, how, what would he say? Right? That's a tough thing, don't answer it out loud. It's just something to think about. Because I think if we're honest, the sad part is we don't get pumped up about that. When I say you exist to commune with God, that sounds boring and I really don't get excited. Why? I have the chance to have a relationship with Almighty God and I'm not excited about it? I'll tell you the reason we don't get excited about it. It's going to go back to that P word I talked about earlier, perspective. I think we have a bad perspective. Something's gone wrong with the way we view the opportunity to have a relationship with God Almighty. Right? And Jesus addresses that, and I'm going to do it really quickly because I only have a few more minutes. But if you start looking in Matthew 6, 5, I'm going to start reading, <laughs> address them both, and then we're gone. But when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray that your father who is in secret, your father who is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as Gentiles, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Then it says, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Your Father knows you, what you need before you ask. And then it says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I'll say, even after reading that, if that brings more questions, and you're like, hey, I, I know I'm meant to pursue God, I'm meant to talk to Him, whatever, Kenny, I hear you. I'm not good at religious stuff. Great news, that's what God said, I'm not up for that anyway. Like, don't use me as your promoter. Don't use me to make yourself look good in front of other people. He's not in a relationship for that. Like, he's not in it for the show. He wants your heart. He wants you to be to, to worship him because he's worthy and don't worry about anything else. He's worried about your heart. Right? That's all he is interested in. Let me tell you a story I heard one time. Youth pastor. Was it like a, he called it a Benihana, which I've never been to, but a Shogun where they put the things in the 
about you. You know what I mean? So he's there, and this guy gets up. And if you know, if you go with just you and your girl, like you're sitting with strangers, which is creepy, but that's okay. We meet somebody new, and we go. And he's there, and this guy stands up, and for like 15 minutes he goes on about himself. He brings all the, the, the good news about him to, him to us, to this youth pastor is telling the story. And he said then about 10 minutes later, he, he drops, he, he t- sits about 15 to 20 seconds about the girl sitting next to him, and he drops on a knee and asks her to marry him. Everybody kind of claps out of obligation because it's weird. They get up and leave. So now everybody here is trying to figure out who this is. Was that your couple? Was that y'all? Who's with them? Nobody was with him. He just come to put on a show about himself, said 30 seconds about his girl, and that was it. And like what he talked about is the awkwardness of the room, because I'm, I'm going to tell you that relationship's not going to go well, because it's all about him. And see, we can do that in religious things if we're not careful. Luckily, our God says he's not interested in it. He's not interested in the folks that do it for the attention. He's interested in their heart. Right? That's what he's saying, don't use me like that. Like, I hey, Kenny, I don't have all the right words. That's okay. He don't care about the format. He's, he's not interested in the format. He just wants you to talk. He wants you to commune with him. Like, just you and him. Like, that's what God wants. Because if the only time you talk to him is in a crowd, like, that's the thing where we got to go, we just check our heart. Right? And then if you skip down to 7 through 9, let's cover that. What does that say? It says, don't try to talk to him like he's, you're, you're trying to manipulate God for something. He says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles. In other translations, depending on what you got, it says meaningless repetition or don't keep on babbling. Right? I think the NLT says babbling. I like that word because why? In the Greek, the word for that is bada legeo. Legeo means speak. Bada is like an onomatopoeia, which is like boom or pow. It just means exactly what it sounds like. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't just buy da buy da buy da and just mouth off like you're trying to impress me something. Like, just keep on keeping on. I'm not impressed with your words. Like, don't try to just keep talking me into it. Just pray with your heart and get out of there. Right? That's because Jesus, that's what he cares about. See, back then, these people would pray long prayers like they're trying to manipulate, trying to talk God into things. And that's why it says they were heard for their many words. That's what they were hoping for. And see, that's the difference. He don't want you to just keep going on and on. There's nothing wrong with praying a long prayer. You just better mean it from your heart. That's the thing. Because that's what pagans would do back then. They were scared. And so they would bring these religious ceremonies and chant, trying to manipulate God into talking like in, into talking him into something. This is God Almighty we're dealing with. He don't fall for that. He's not a boxing promoter, right? We don't use him to get some new position. He's not some arrogant king that I've got to beg to listen to me and use big words to do it. That's not him. He says, when you come to me, the goal in your life is communion. And the perspective I want you to have is like a father, right? It's like a father. And that's weird then. Why? They don't, they're not going to call him, they're not going to call him dad. That's a little too close. And yet, that's what Jesus says. Don't beg me like, a, like, like I'm a, a disinterested king. When you come to me, I love you. And that's the perspective I want you to come to me with. Like I'm your father. He's your dad. Like that word father, if you just think about it, like it's, it's kind of a, a combination of power and 
like a love together, somehow they go. Like he's stern, but man, he loves me. That's what a good father does. A good father is strong and loving. And that's what he says. Pray to him like he's your father. Like he cares enough to do something about it. Right? And if we think about that for a second, just think about the way you talk to God. Is that the way you see him? Like a father? Or is he like way away and very distant? Or do you go to him like you're almost disappointed, like he's going to be disappointed in you or frustrated that you come? Right? Because that's not our God. That's not how we should see him. Jesus says he cares enough to listen and he's strong enough to take care of me. Right? And that's a great thing to think about. What if we all walked out of those doors this morning and we knew God was our father? He loves me and he's going to take care of it. He's strong and he's loving. What if I acted like it when I walked through the doors instead of just saying it when I'm at church? Because I think so many of us, the reason we don't pray consistently is because we don't believe one of two things. You either don't think he cares enough or you don't even think he's there to answer because he's, he's taking care of more important things. But he says, like, I want to know you. Like, I'm loving and strong. Like, man, wouldn't that be cool if we all walked out of here with that mindset? Like, my job is to communicate with God. I'm going to do my part. And then I'm going to trust him. Like, man, that would change some lives, wouldn't it? Because if we just keep reading in Matthew, like a few verses later, it tells us not to be anxious, like for what we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear. God knows all of them. And if the Father knows it, you shouldn't be anxious. And it's not like I know it like I just know everything, but it's I know it to care enough to do something about it. Right? What if we left today like that? It'd be tough to worry about anything, wouldn't it? It just would be. It, it, would, it would make us a little bit more confident to walk out of here and know he's got us. He's going to handle it. I'm going to do my part, but I'm going to trust him to do his, right? And that's what it's saying. It's like, it, I'm your dad. I'm going to take care of you, right? I wouldn't be anxious. It would be tough to be depressed, wouldn't it? Because you can look in Luke. Luke even says, hey, if there's who among you, if a son asks for a fish, gives him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, gives him a scorpion. Like, what dad does that? Like, your kid comes up in the morning, Daddy, I want some eggs for breakfast. Just eat this snake. Like, nobody does that. Like, nobody does that. What kind of dad would do that? And we're lost sinners, right? So if we if we know how to take care of our, our, our little ones, don't, don't the God Almighty know how to take care of us? So if we walked out here and believed that, I just think it would be a lot better on us all. Because he's strong enough to meet our needs, and he loves us enough to do something about it. We're meant to see him as a father that loves us enough to listen. So we're going to have a little special project. I'm going to ask our special guest to come up here for just a second. He don't know he's coming, but his daddy does. Oh, this is Martin. If you don't know, this is Nick and Kelsey's little boy. Um, but here, here's the thing. What I've heard before is um, when you look at your kid, when you hold your kid, think of your theology. I'm not going to hold him. That's why Nick's up here. 
But let's use Martin as an example. Let's think about our theology for just a second. And if he goes nuts, you're welcome to take him out. Had a close call in the first service. Um, when Nick holds him, it says God's our father. Like, what does that even mean? Well, here's what I know. He wouldn't exist without Nick and Kelsey. Um, the only reason he's here is because they willed it. Their power, their grace. Like, that's the only reason he's here. Like, they decided to have him, and they decided to bring him in, in, into existence. And here's the kicker, like, to drive that home. The only reason he continues to be here is because of their power and their grace. Because he don't sleep like he should. And that can get frustrating for them. But he don't feed himself. Um, he, he really don't do nothing. You know, um, he exists because of their grace. Like, because he don't add any value to their house. Uh, he doesn't clean up. He didn't chip in for the bills this month. Y'all, he's not pulling his weight at all. Um, I, they actually have to clean up after him all the time, all day long. But you know what? They do it gladly. Why? Because they delight in him. They delight in him. That He was made in their image. It's like a 50-50 thing. And he's their little boy. Like, and th they love him, and that's it. And that's enough. So if we think about Martin for just a second, think about you. You're Martin for just a second. Because you exist because God wills it so. Like the only reason you continue to exist because he wills it so. Like you don't provide him any value. Um, he doesn't need you. He was actually fine before you got here. He really was. But he loves you. And it's not because of what you've done, uh, but it's because of his heart. Like he just decided to. It's a comforting thought, isn't it? And then when we ask the question like, what does Martin want, it, want him to know? What does Nick want Martin to know about him? I think he wants to know he's loving enough to listen to him. I think he wants him to know he's strong enough to meet his needs. And he's wise enough to know when to meet those needs and how to meet those needs. Even though Martin doesn't understand it all the time. Because he's committed to Martin's good. He, he wants him to know he's loving and he's strong and he's wise. No comment. The wise thing. I thought she would get you on the wise thing. But that's what Nick wants Martin to know. Right? But the point is your God is loving enough to listen to you. He wants to. He's strong enough to take care of you. He's wise enough to know when to go about doing it. You get me? You following? You, he's committed to our good. He began a good work. If he who he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Right? What does Nick want Martin to know about his relationship with him? It's unshakable. It will never stop. He is his son, and nothing can change that. Martin can move overseas, and he's still his son. Right? He can make a mess of his life. Still Nick's kid. Right? Now Nick may take his car. 
or cut him off financially. But he's still his son. And y'all, when they die, it's going to be on their tombstone. That relationship is unshakable. It's a father and a son. And nothing Martin can do will alter that relationship. And if I ask, how does Nick want Martin to treat him? He just wants him to obey him. He just wants him to obey him. And when Martin, when Nick tells Martin to do something, he just wants him to do it. And he wants him to trust that he's just, he's not saying it just to watch him do something like a monkey in a circus. He's telling him because it's for Martin's good. It's, it's for Martin's good. It's to make him better. It's the best thing for Martin. And Nick wants Martin to honor him. Not because Nick is insecure. I met Nick before Martin. He was fine. Nick was fine before he had a little boy honoring him. But what, what, it, what we know is we've all watched TV and watched people that don't honor their father. And they turn out to be jerks and very shallow people. Right? And Nick don't want that. That's not what he wants for Martin. So he wants him to honor him. Right? And, and he wants Martin to love him. He wants him to know that he loves him enough that he'll get in the car and drive him on his first date when he's 35. Right? But the point is, when he gets home, he'll sit down and talk to him and hear his heart. He wants to hear from Martin. He wants Martin to tell him about his day. Not because he wants he needs the details as a dad. He can Facebook stalk for that. That's not the point. But, but the point is, that's not the relationship he wants. He wants Martin to tell him why. Because he loves Martin. And he wants Martin, to hear, he wants Martin to say it. And he wants to know how he feels about it. Because Nick wants him to know he loves him. And he wants to hear the heartbeat of his kid. Sound familiar? Right, you can have a seat. Thank you, Martin. You did great. Right? Commitment, wisdom, strength, love, all of those things. We need to know about our Father. He's never leaving. He's going to take care of us. We can trust Him. We can obey Him. And it'll all work out. Right? God loves us enough to listen to us. And he's strong enough to meet our needs. And it's not a burden. I've heard that before. Like, I don't want to burden God with my junk. It's not a burden. That's why he's here. Like, y'all know that. And he's wise enough to guide our life, even when it don't line up with what we think, which is my really big problem. But he does, and I can trust him. He's proven it over and over again. He's not just going to drop me. Right? If I get annoying, he's not going to open the car door and kick me out of the back. Right? He loves me. Like, no matter what. One more story and I'm done. Because we can question somebody's love for us, can't we? We can question it. But to answer the question, like, if I know, if I watch it, if I see love on display, the questions go away, don't they? When I see the actions. So the last time I got in a fight, it was not as long ago as you thought. Um, it's fine. I'm not going to share details. But when I went to pick up a friend and I got there, uh, a stranger showed up, caused a little ruckus, a little ruckus out there. And um, 
not all the details. The next thing I know, the stranger has now attacked my friend. Um, and so I go to work, try to split him up. I'm thinking to myself, I don't need this. I got things to do. My friend don't need this. I just want to go home. I tried to tell the stranger that. He didn't listen at all. And then, like, finally, what seemed like forever, but it wasn't long, he let go of my friend. And I was like, whew. But by the time I went, whew, he was on me. Yeah. And he attacked me, and I, y'all, I was in a bind. Like, I couldn't get him off of me. There was blood everywhere. It was, it was neat. But, but guess what? Guess what? Just stay with me. See, my buddy wasn't aggressive when the stranger attacked him because he knew it was just a miscommunication. Right? He wasn't really hot about it. He didn't care because he knew it was going to fix itself. But when my buddy seen stranger get on me, crazy town. Right? I actually saved the stranger's life by pulling my buddy off of him. And that's no joke. So... The reason I tell you that, I ended up with 10 stitches. I went to the hospital. Nobody else did. That's So I lost. Here's my buddy. I got a picture of him. Boom. Oh, so the reason I tell you that. I'm, y'all, before that instance, before that instance, y'all was expecting a real guy. I got it. <laughs> before that instance, I, I you know, I could have, I could have went either way on how he felt about me. Like, literally. I mean, he'd come to me every now and then or whatever. Y'all, when I watched it with my own eyes, like, there's 0% chance I'm his best friend. There's a 0% chance I doubt it. I'm sorry. There's a 0% chance in my mind I doubt. There's no doubt I'm his best friend. Let me say it that way. 0% chance, 0% question of how he feels about me now. Right? There's, There's no doubt. When I needed somebody, he was there. When I, when I mean, I was in a bind. He was there. His actions took over. And so do I feel differently now than I did? Yeah. You hurt my dog, I'll kill you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I love that dog now. Like, it means just a little more to me. But he's a dog. I still get that. Like, I still get it. He's a dog. Right? But the point is, if actions speak, if you're waiting on somebody to prove that they love you by their actions... See where I'm going? Because if we sing Christmas carols that plead, God, come to us, please descend to us, forgive us for our sins, abide with us, please. Good news. He's done that. And he will continue to do that. Yes, we're celebrating a Savior that comes as a little baby boy. He didn't stay there long. And he died a sinner's death that we deserve. To pay for our sin. His actions give me all I need to know. He didn't just talk about it. I don't have to wonder. And hey, he's the savior of the world. That's not even on the same level as a dog. Right? When we needed a savior, he did it. Hey, come to us. Abide with us. Done. Like, now we just have to do our part. We just got to accept that, right? It's like a Christmas gift. We all heard it, but I'm going to use it because it's Christmas time. I sent a Christmas gift here. If you don't take it, it's useless. So we do at least, Jesus died for all of us, but we at least have to accept it. 
right? There's something important to remember about all the family and father talk. Not everybody's a kid, right? Just because you're born don't mean you're a child of God. Now the way we get into the family is adoption. He created us. And like when sheep go astray, it's what the Bible says. We each one have our own way. There's a holy, holy God here. There's us over here. We needed a way back here. And he sent Jesus. He did that. He come to us. Right? And so I would pray that if you need to ask Jesus into your heart as your Savior and Lord, and I say Lord, that's a big word because it's another word for master, which means I'm going to let him control my life, which is a big deal. But I don't want to undersell it because when you ask Jesus to be your Lord, that's a big deal. But if you need to make that decision this morning, I'll be here to talk to you. We'll have counselors at the back. Patrick, y'all can come. But here's the thing. Just know he's become to us about He loves us enough to care for us, right? Hey, Kenny, I don't know what to say. I'm with you, but I don't know what to say to him. The best example I've ever heard is if you're drowning, you know how to ask for help. It's kind of the same way. When we're drowning in sin, just talk to him. There's no fancy words I can give you that's going to impress an almighty God. He cares about your heart. Just talk to him. Right? And if you're here and you know God is your father, I would just ask the question, how's that communication going? How's that communication in all the busyness of what we're doing? How's that going? When you talk to him, do you trust that he's going to take care of it? Do you trust that he's strong enough to do it? Do you trust that he loves you? Right? That's the challenge this morning. It says, O child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. It says, cast out our sin and enter in. And it says, oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel, God with us. Y'all, we ask, like, and he did it, right? Now we just respond. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for some crazy Christmas carols we can learn from. And God, be with us uh, as we come to this time of response. God, I pray if there's anybody in the crowd. This just needs to hit their knees. God, this altar's open. Uh, God, if there's somebody that needs to make a decision, God, I'm here and we've got counselors in the back. But God, most of all, I pray there's people that need to talk to you and that's it. And God, I pray most of all they talk to you today. Uh, so be with us. God, we love you. Do you know I pray? Amen. Y'all can stand and sing.